Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to Take 10. Welcome to Take 10. I'm Kyle Wilson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society. Joining me is Mr. Rob Cabasco. Hey there. Hey. So 
We've talked about movies, we've talked about television, we've even talked about Legos, but one thing we have not talked about is music. So I thought it would be interesting if we actually talked a little bit about music and that was important to us. So we can't just say like, give me a mixtape. I would love to do that. I, I was a master of the mixtape back in, in the time. I, I have who so many people who are, well, <laughs> a lot of people were. I've gotten some pretty crappy mixtapes. I oh. took the time, man. I put, I, I, if I got audio patch cables, I put movie quotes on. I put things from oh. MTV on. Oh. I I went all. I made custom cover art. Yeah, mixtape. I was all about it. Oh, I must be the horrible mixtapeologist <laughs> that you were referring to then, because I did not. Okay, never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went all out for it. Uh, the problem is when you, when you get into uh, the modern stuff is that people can just shuffle. Like you give them a, a playlist, and they can just shuffle. I'm like, no. The point of the mixtape is it was linear. I I, I was telling a story. Of you like, told the story. I went, that's this song, and then this song, because I want you to be thinking about that last song when you listen to the next song, and then we get to the end oh. thinking about it's telling a story, but. I digress. So, wait, 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 hold on. Do kids do that today? Like, no. they, you, they they share playlists. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they do they do they do that? They do it. They, yeah, my my daughter does. I, I'm using her as an example. She puts stuff on Spotify. Like, she'll put a, a mix on, and she even this week she she does a lot of stuff because she does D and D and stuff. She'll oh, okay. do thematic lists for characters, like the songs that represent those characters, and then put them or songs that represent characters from podcasts she likes so like thematically oh. she'll put those things together and then people okay. subscribe to them which always surprises her she's like why would anyone care about this but it, they're out there and so you can't you can do it but it's the same thing they can just shuffle the music so basically you're just making like a party mix right which right, is a different right, right. thing but that's not what we're talking about today what we wanted to talk about today is i i, I challenged rob that to come up with albums so specifically we're not talking about songs we're not talking about soundtracks which you'd think we would do because we're here right. at, on the next reel we I, I wanted to have albums so like specifically albums that you wanted because back in our day you had to buy the album because yes. there almost was no such thing as singles there was some cassette singles back in the time of cassettes they started doing cd singles a little bit but they even those were like really expensive and this was way before the time of itunes so if you had more than one song so my rule was always if you had three songs you liked that it was worth buying the album because now people okay. people think yeah. of songs as being you know about a buck worth well sure. you had to pay like 15 bucks for an album if you know if you're if you're lucky and you have a loss later like garth brooks the hits you can get it for 9.99 back in the right. day but uh, for the most part yeah, an album was about 15 12 to 15 dollars so you'd have to get the whole thing and, and we're talking about cds like we're we lived the age of vinyl, but I, I didn't have I didn't have records back in time. Like I had I had bought some cassette singles and then you know, cassettes, and then I bought CDs. Wait, but did like you I not did own vinyls. an al You did not own an actual vinyl album. I had uh, my parents had album, but like I never went out and bought a vinyl album. <gasps> I have never I have never with my own money purchased a record. Can I tell you this? I I have only bought. Okay, I can honestly think of only buying one, and it is right. It is right there. Oh, that's Star Wars soundtrack. <laughs> Star that. Wars, the original of New Hope. Yeah. I had a, I had the Star Wars story album. Okay. That was like, the, it was John Williams music and it was narration and they had sound, right. they, but that was, my parents had bought it for me. I mean, like I used to like listen to records and stuff too, but I had never used my hard earned money to buy a record because by oh, yeah. that point, vinyl was, oh. was pretty rare. Right. Like when I, I worked at the music department at, Best Buy during the during this period, so it was all CD and we had some cassettes, yeah, see, right, but like right. the, the cassette areas. Oh no, we are small. our our coming of age. Both of us was uh, deeply entrenched in the era of the compact disc. 
Yes. Do you remember sure. what your first CD was? I yes, I do, and I still have it. Huh? It's somewhere in there. Okay. It is. It is Bon Jovi, "Slippery When Wet." My first CD <laughs> was John Bon Jovi, "Blaze of Glory," the Young Guns Two soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could. I guess that dates us both it into does. a certain era of, of 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 rock music. We have just lost all of Gen Z. Sorry, hey, no, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I said, let's talk about the. The, like you know, the 10 albums, you know, five from me, five from Rob that got us through college. So that was the challenge. And Rob for the came back and said, let's do year by year. Right. It's like, oh, OK, that's interesting because like our core our college time overlaps, but it's not exactly the same. So right. I, I doubt we're going to see. It. But it'd be interesting to see if we have any overlaps. So why don't you start us off? What was your first college album? So, OK. And, and how this came about with the years is that when I was coming up with my my first albums that I kept thinking of. When I then looked at the years they were released, it, it actually ended up was like there was no album in the same year. So I was like, OK, well, I'll just do that. The first year I'm going to do is my first year in college. It's 1990. Yes, okay. this is 31 years ago at the time of recording. Interesting album choice. Um, it is the second and final final studio album of a group called the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, wow. Okay. And the name of this is curiously volume three because <laughs> if you know anything about this group so who are the traveling willberries this yeah. was a, a sort of ensemble group of names that you may know from musical history george harrison bob dylan tom petty originally roy orbison uh jeff lynn they got together in the late 80s and they came out with this sort of just fictitious group they all of them were a little eccentric right mm -hmm. and they were like oh we're going to do this fun album of music and it was a huge hit traveling willberries even today end of the line uh, handle with care. I mean, incredibly popular, right? So yeah. you'll know those songs if you if you grew up in the in the eighties and the nineties. Um, so they come up with this this second album, and this was after the death of Roy Orbison, Volume Three. I just I love this. I remember listening through it. Um, they are it is a weird twangy sound. I don't know how to else to hmm. explain it. Uh, Inside Out, which is heavy with Bob Dylan. Uh, if you belong to me, she's my baby. Uh, the Wilbury Twist, which just sounds like <laughs> no other song that you've, you will have heard. Uh, it just made me happy. I just remember my first year in college. And I, and I remember thinking part of this also was like I, there were not other uh, not a lot of other guys on my floor of my dorm listening to the Traveling Wilburys. So there was part of that, too. But anyway, Traveling Wilburys. Traveling three. Wilburys. Wow. I, haven't, I, I don't think I've ever heard three. I think I've only heard the first album. Yeah, the first album. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no. This that was, was the famous one. I yeah, the famous one. The famous one. That those those videos played on VH1 and MTV yeah. nonstop. Um, and it was weird because Roy Orbison died. Like I think uh, end of the line or or, or handle with care. He's he's not even he wasn't alive for the video recording. Um. Like I think that that so there was a whole issue with that. And then George Harrison and a bunch of people they wanted to do another album. And then I think it was George Harrison's idea that was like, well, let's mess with people. Let's call it Volume Three. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's what's volume two, there is no volume two. Thanks. I think if, if I remember right, it's it's a very highly designed cover. Oh yeah, is that right? Uh, like uh, it's, uh, it's like look, it's very artsy. Like it's very a, it's, artsy, negative, yeah. like uh, dark colors, yeah. greens. I think I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember, oh, I remember special... stocking it. I remember like you know because I, yeah. I said oh, I was, yeah. I, was sure. in, I was in the music department, so I mean I was stocking CDs. I remember stocking it in the shop, but I never actually listened to it. And do you ever had? I mean, and I'm sure there were people like in every music department. It's like, well, why miss volume two? Where's yeah. volume two at? And yeah. you're like, there's no, there's no volume two. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so yeah, mine is a little bit later. My first year of college was actually 1993. 
Uh, so for me, this was a weird one because it's just like in yours, Traveling Wilburys, this is not something that would have been normally a part of my, my circle, but whatever it is, it hit me really hard. And that's Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell. Oh. Like, I remember hearing about Meatloaf, you know, back in earlier times, it was like, like, Bat of Hell, like, you, and Paradise by the Dash were like, and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like, 70s rock, whatever. Like, sure. And I, and I knew Rocky Horror Picture Show a little bit from watching it too, but like, these songs came out and it was huge. And it, it hit me so hard. I was like, this is amazing. And I started becoming a huge Meatloaf fan. And what I found out is that I was actually becoming a fan of two people at the same time. Because Meatloaf isn't just Meatloaf. The real power of Meatloaf is Meatloaf and Jim Steinman. It's the combination of those two in the same way that Elton John isn't Elton John without Bernie Taupin. Like the two yes. of them together is just something magic, magic. happens. Magic. And something that only music can really do. The collaboration between those two things, it very rarely happens. But when it does, man, like Meatloaf is, is fine. But with Meatloaf and, and, and Jim Steinman, it's fine. But when you put the two of them together, boy, just something electric happens. And of course, uh, we're, we're recording this after the recent passing of Jim Steinman. So it's, it's you know, it's bittersweet to talk about this. But those essentially three albums that they did together are unreal just because not only is it just like you know just this gut rock and roll kind of thing but it evokes this bizarre alternate world of of teenagers and motorcycles and guitars and rock yes. and roll and just like taken to the road it's like it has a whole vibe that goes along with it so it's not because meatloaf even says you don't sing a jim steinman store song you perform it yeah you become it and it's just, and yeah, all these, these songs, like there are, some of them are ones that even Jim Simon had done and he put out his own album and everybody went, eh, but when Meatloaf sang the same yeah, songs, I mean, people went crazy for it. It's, it's just the weird alchemy of music. And what a, I mean, okay. I, wow. I completely forgot that it's a 93 because that was, I mean, that kept Meatloaf on the radar. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, I do anything for love, but I yep. don't do that. Like yep. that song, that song permeated ads ad space for so many years people yeah. just i mean it was almost amazing to me because when that song came out it was like can he could is it possible to 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 open again the 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 power of uh, dashboard light right yeah yes he yeah. did like yeah. that song was as big oh that's yeah i mean like it's got i mean not only that's the first song that's the first song on the album too yes like the power ballad and then life is a lemon i want my money back is like about uh, being the angry youth rock and roll dreams come true out of the frying pan into the fire objects in the rearview mirror may be closer yeah. than they are i love a jim steinman because he'll just like nope we're doing 10 words for the title yeah oh <laughs> right. like nope we're not doing like nope going the full distance like right. yeah i love it yeah rock and roll baby oh good Heck. Okay, I'm gonna listen. I'm totally listening to that that yeah. album this week. Uh, oh, and also for those who are a fan who want to hear this in a new way, first of all, there's a great live album because Meatloaf was great live that they put out where he does almost all the songs from Bad Out of Hell one and two and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I think it was the Bad Out of Hell tour or something like I don't know, but there's like a two CD set that that's really good. But they also were in the process of making a Broadway musical out of Bad Out of Hell, and so there actually is a cast recording of bat out of hell the musical it's fascinating because it's the it's all of those songs but tr tried to make as as a musical and does it work all the time nah, not always but like no there is a sort of 
intensity to it that is it's hard to ignore uh yeah, it's it's interesting listen so oh, those of you who are in your streaming services check that one out it's a it's a lot of fun even just as even if it doesn't do the same thing to you that these albums do it's a fun novelty to listen to outstanding um okay my second one yep. so this goes to uh 1991 i was a okay i don't know if i've ever mentioned this my favorite group of all time is mike and the mechanics Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I am a huge Mike and the Mechanics fan. And for those who don't know, Mike and the Mechanics was a side project of Mike Rutherford, who uh, was with Genesis and uh, with Phil Collins. And and he had his own. I mean, they've had a long, great career. They've changed a lot. Lead, lead uh, singer. They've gone through a couple different ones and stuff. Um, so everyone knows Living Years, which was hugely popular in the 80s. Their follow-up album, their third album, was Word of Mouth, and that's the, the album from 91. I love this album. It doesn't get as much love as it deserves. Uh, it's got the, the title track, Word of Mouth, is this stadium-sounding rock anthem with just everyone. I mean, it's got, like, crowd vocals in it. It's just fantastic. Um, I love their music. I'm, I, I Their music is always talking about relationships and... Uh, the turmoil that happens in life and I'm always a big fan and that that album was huge for me 91 word of mouth right. Mike and wow Mike and the Mechanics I haven't thought of Mike and the Mechanics in a long time oh yeah oh they're well they they're not that's not the only time they're going to be on my list oh interesting okay <laughs> so, so there we go alright so uh, going to uh, 1994 uh, so people have a belief and it's 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 generational that the music that you listen to in high school and college is the best music ever and wow. nothing else will ever compare to it. So whenever you go back, you know, and so that's kind of why I wanted to do this is because sure. looking back, and so nothing comes out today is as good as the music that was when I, and so you can go back to the 50s and they were still saying, everybody's been saying it. But there also are movements that happen in music yeah. too. And I happen to catch this wave and that is grunge. So grunge hit when I was in college, and I was ground zero. You know, like I mean, obviously I was in Seattle, but like for the movement, like I was the right age of this thing of, of angry youth, and it, it wasn't it wasn't the music of the streets. It was the music of garages. It was it was rejection of the of all the previous stuff, and and the industry man, the big dog was Nirvana, of course. But we didn't really listen to Nirvana. Our, our, like my group, whatever, was sort of like, yeah, okay. But I really liked angry young men who like wanted to talk about what they want to talk about. And Kurt Cobain was sort of doing poetry. Like his lyrics uh, didn't yeah. mean anything. So like, it, I I mean, I like Nirvana. It's fine, but I never really like got into nirvana in terms of like i was like i was like i listened to the couple songs and be like all right but i wasn't i wasn't buying the albums i wasn't digging deep into the things because his lyrics were nonsense and even he said he's just he didn't really care that much about right. that he was more about the feeling of it pearl jam was huge for us uh but uh what i'm going to talk about is the other one so the, that was the that's probably the number one just because uh, uh that's that was uh, the the main one that we listened to and uh, the other band of course was Stone Temple Pilots. So in 1994, they put out their second studio album called Purple. Now, you didn't know it was called because it actually used a Chinese symbol for it. <laughs> you had to like find out what it is. Um, they had a weird thing of like all their songs 
the 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 name of the song is usually not in the song <laughs> so it's hard to say like when you talk about plush you go what what song is that and you start singing it and people go oh yeah i know that song so if you know reading the list of them uh like i believe the stuff like sit state love song you go yeah I, I, have, I have no idea like uh, no you've heard it i swear you've heard it uh, no, vaseline being the, the major difference but like yeah the this one it, it's always interesting to me of, of second albums so like, you're gonna see on this one a lot of like later albums so it's like first album is sort of like the you have they, they always say you have like like 10 years to write your first album and six months to write your second. So I'm always fascinated by the second album because like now you're a star, now you're hit, now you're touring and also uh, do all the stuff you did before right? and make new music. And so it's, uh, it's interesting to see who can survive that pressure cooker. And I think they did a great job of this. Uh, so there's a lot of great, great songs in there. And I can't tell you how many times I have listened to this album from start to finish so much so that I don't even, I can't even distinguish between the songs sometimes. It's just all, to me, it's just all one mega mix of purple so um so when someone says hey what's that song you're listening to and you say meat plow yeah exactly like uh what yeah they it's like they just had whatever they felt in their head that's what they they put on there uh and of course once again uh because we're getting to that age too uh we and scott wayland the lead singer that is no longer with us too unfortunately we lost him to an opioid overdose so uh but yeah that's it's rock and roll man I always forget. Wow. I mean, yeah. Like you think of Pearl Jam and you think, and Pearl mm-hmm. Jam was, they were from Arizona, right? Wasn't Pearl Jam from uh-huh. I don't know. I thought they were, they're part of the Seattle scene. Yeah. Or Gin Blossoms. I'm thinking Gin Blossoms. Don't Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. What do I know? Uh, <laughs> now see, and I, and this was, this was, you know, the grunge, the whole grunge thing. I was right before that. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, I mean, I figured. It just, yeah, it's just, it's something that didn't ever hit me. Um, or at least I didn't get it, and yeah. and again, probably you know. It, and this is this is the beauty of music, right? I mean, you're right. only talking about three year difference between our start of our college lives. Yeah, but yet it's different. I yeah. mean, though, like the tone and everything. I mean, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, well, okay. So here, I'll 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 change up. So okay. you know, I've done uh, traveling Woolberries and I've done Mike and the Mechanics. So what did I pick for my third album, 1992, the fifth studio album by English rock band Def Leppard? That's oh. right. Oh. Adrenalize oh, now, yeah. and this is the album you know because of "Let's Get Rocked." So, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, I mean, why? Okay, this one I remember mainly because "Let's Get," "Let's what, Get," "Let's Get," "Let's Get," okay, because in the '80s, Def Leppard hysteria was it. I mean, that and mm-hmm. Bon Jovi; those two things were it. My high school life was that, and and a few other things, but. You know, when this came out, I was like, oh, yeah, we're all on this. And that song goes nuts. So mm-hmm. a, a big into that. And it's, you know, I mean, it's a great, actually, I was listening to it in the past week. And it's a surprising, I know people might think, if you don't know who Def Leppard is, then you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But for the people yeah. who think, oh, Def Leppard, they had range. I know that that sounds crazy, but they did. Um, they weren't necessarily, there wasn't necessarily the slow, you know, the slow dance song on every album like Bon Jovi. But yeah. No, they're they're pretty good. Like, look for their album. Like, yeah, I think it's I think that's what it's called. I think it's called yeah. Like later on, or like there's a ballroom song, like but something about the I forget the title of it that came out later on. And no, it's really good. Adrenalize is great. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. It got me. Th- <laughs> it got me through '92. So, okay, there we go. All right, so another another big tonal shift then from uh, from yours to mine. So uh, here I here, here I am in 1995. So. Outwardly, as, as those of you who have been listening to us know, I am a 
you know, middle-aged, bearded nerd who's watched Star Wars too many times, sure. But what you don't know is that inside, I'm a 13-year-old goth girl. Uh, <laughs> there is a part of me that it just has that side of it, too. And so, in 1995, when a new singer appeared on the scene, she spoke to me in a way I have never been spoken to by another musician. And that, of course, is the one and only Alanis Morissette. Oh, Jagged Little no. Pill. This oh. album... Oh my god, I never saw it coming. Like, of course, the single hits, you ought to know, everybody knows, everybody can sing along to it and stuff too. And I had never heard someone so articulate and angry who could also have a driving rock song, and I could not believe it. I was I was like, who is this? Where did this come from? I have I was just so blown away. And and what you come to find out is that she was you know, a young Canadian actress. She was a pop princess. She was in the Mighty Cyrus sort of vein of, of going through. And then she, the industry, like, basically uh, put her through the gears. And she came out the other side more talented but angrier because of all the horrible things that had happened to her and was articulate about it. So she has this this side of her. So it's But it's not all, she's not... Courtney Love, essentially, who's just rage. She's a wounded bird. She is a poet who has also been had horrible things happen in her life and can be articulate about it. So this album is that side and the other side at the same time. So she has these sweet poetic things where she talks about lost love and then these angry songs about breakups and people treating her awfully and then about being cheated on. I mean, all these things. But it is such a cohesive feeling of the, of this person I, I, I'd never really seen before. It really opened my eyes to all kinds of things you could do with music. And I say, and even now, I bought even the 20-year anniversary came out, and I bought that too, and it, that's, the songs still have that same power. Now, as she's gone along, she's basically gotten happier, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Unfortunately, <laughs> happy doesn't always create great music. So, like, her last couple albums are just so... So, you know, so uh, brown and crunchy, like, so just like, oh, the world and utopia and my family and my kids. Oh, like, and I'm happy what? that she's happy. But no, like, I boy, I, I miss that. Like, there's a place for this. And I, I don't think anybody has really stood up and, and done this as well as she did. But of course, that's that's my my 20 year old self talking here to my 40 year old self. But yeah, Jagged Little Pill, man. I like still to this day, I can throw that thing on. I can sing along to any one of these songs. That, you know, and that's and that's great. You bring, well, you bring up her story because I know I think uh, well, just a few years ago she was going on a whole um, like media circuit about her uh, postpartum depression she dealt with yeah. for for like a long time too. I mean, she she you know she grappled with this. Yeah. Um, and of course now I, there's a musical. Oh, based right. On, on the on this stuff too, which is uh, once again an interesting artifact. I don't. I would say that something that I love, <laughs> but right. I like that it exists. So it's a musical about her life? No, that's oh. the thing that's interesting about it is it's not about her at all. It's oh, okay. it's uh, it, Diablo Cody sort of adapted this, took all the songs that she loved, basically from Jagged Little Pill, and told a story of a modern family dealing with modern issues through the through the music of Alanis Morissette, kind of like you know they're oh. different people, so different people sing different songs about it. And so it's about. Uh, it's about coming out and infidelity and, right. you know, like and, and all these different things that this family is going through, uh, told through her songs. Uh, and one thing that annoys me is, OK, I know ironic has become a punchline. Right. 
I get it. I mean, even even uh, the guys from Lonely Island did a little riff on it and stuff too. I get it. It's like, oh, these things aren't ironic. Okay, like you just saying that is not a hot take. Like I don't need to hear that from everybody. They do it in the musical, and it drives me crazy. Like in, they're doing ironic, performing it, and one of the characters is like, um, actually, these things aren't ironic. I don't need your commentary. <laughs> like, just let the song be the song. You don't have to like yeah. be uh actually about yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this makes okay. Now I want to like listen. Well, I haven't listened to Lannis Morissette in a long yeah. time. So I'm a big fan of that. Actually, her second album, supposed former infatuation junkie. That one hit me really hard too. Uh, just but there's another album that. Uh, you know, knocked it out of the slot, uh, the top slot, unfortunately. But yeah, I've listened to that yeah. one a ton too. So those two albums, I think, are like, like a a, a duet of uh, it shows you all the different sides of lines. And I and I say I, I I haven't hated everything she's done so far, but there's always like one song on it where I was like, oh, that's the Atlantis that I like that I miss. See, that's <laughs> but, no, that's important because even for me, like like you you know, I don't know if everyone has this experience, but the, I always have an experience. Mike the Mechanics is the one where every single album. There is immediately always one song that I I just can't stop listening to, right? Like, yeah. and and it it's them, right? That's like, what they do. So you get that. I, that doesn't always the case with every with every musical group that I have enjoyed. Yeah, um, me too. There are some stinkers. So yeah, in, oh, yeah absolutely. And there's yeah. it's it's amazing that you could have an album speak to you on such yes. a deep level, and yes. then that same group or artist comes out with another album, and you go who is this person like they're they're it leaves you entirely cold and i have had that many times where it's like i'm like we have grown apart like peter gabriel in the 80s oh uh, could not be more like peter gabriel in the 90s and then no, in 2000 and on no sorry man like it's just yes. not the same anymore like you and not, once again this is not me criticizing like no who of cares? course but of course it's, no, exactly you go one way it's the same yes. with Linus. He goes one way, I went another, and it's just like we've grown apart. We've we become different people. Yeah. It's, it's where things are. It's just, yeah, nice. exactly. We had our time together, and we'll always have those songs. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, this is okay. So, goes into my uh, my next pick. This is 1993. I did totally forgot this when I was, when I was putting all my notes together for this. Um, this album is the 12th and final studio album Ooh. of American singer songwriter Billy Joel. Oh, That's right. River, River of, of Dreams. Dreams. Oh, I loved that album. Okay, and this okay, blew me away in that that is his last studio album because he's done I mean everything else after this has either been collections, live recordings or anything else. Um and it's amazing to think that that's almost I mean, that's almost 30 years ago. Wait. And 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 yeah, hey, Rob, what's the last song on that album? Famous last words. Right. He it literally says in the song, "These are the last words I have to say." Oh, and he wait never a he never wrote another song. Why did I not? Okay. Yeah, this is literally his goodbye. Even though he's still around, he's still tu he's still touring. He's still, I mean, obviously, you know, twenty twenty oh, crazy yeah. there, but right. you know, like now right. in twenty twenty one, supposedly he's going to be coming back. He had a right. long residency in. in New York, but yeah, he has not written a song since then. That was his the last song he ever wrote. Like, I think maybe amazing... he wrote a song for his wife or something like that, but you know, like never released another song. Well, okay. And I would just say like Billy Joel, like if you don't, okay. You know, I mean, like if you're, if you're a younger, if you're a youngster, you don't know right. who Billy Joel is probably right. Um, 
I don't know. Do you? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, like his his stuff doesn't get uh, merchandised as much, you know. Like, right. Like, there are always like stuff like trolls and Madagascar take these old songs and bring them out. I don't hear a lot of Billy Joel stuff in there, but I guess it's sort of it's. I always think of him as being in the zeitgeist. I always. Well, I will tell you this. I I, I think the one line that I remember this about Billy Joel. Well, for, and, and the reason why this album is well, one because okay, yes, this is ninety three. Um, River of Dreams, 2,000 Years. God, I listened to 2,000 Years uh-huh. so many times. I love that. Blonde Over Blue. Blonde Over Blue. Great Wall of China, No Man's Land. I mean, and this was a conflicted album mm-hmm. because he had dealt with a lot of losses. His yep. business manager screwed him over. That's which right. I think was a former brother-in-law or something. I mean, like... He was getting divorced. Yes, Christy Brinkley. Mm-hmm. I mean, just all of it. I mean, this was, this was a lot of stuff going on in his life. I remember always loving Billy Joel. Billy Joel has had an incredible career. I mean, again, 12th studio album. All of them have been amazing. Um, I think I remember sometime in the 90s, I remember watching an episode of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. This is a true story. And in one of those episodes, whoever was the the culture, you know, consultant was like talking to this guy and his guy had all these Billy Joel albums. And he said, you have to get rid of all these because Billy Joel is the iceberg lettuce of music. And I was like, what are you talking How about? Dare How you? dare you, sir? <laughs> Wait a minute. And I always think like, I think there is a segment of the population who that's what they actually do consider Billy Joel to be like this sort huh. of interesting. I don't know. Like, what is that? You know, what does that mean? Like uh, a vanilla, plain vanilla, plain, plain yeah. sheet, like music. Yeah. No. no, listen to his music. What are you yeah. talking about? I mean, you know, maybe it's because we don't start. We didn't start the fire, or you know, my God, Piano Man, which has yeah. certainly probably been overplayed yeah. many times. Scenes from Italian Restaurant, yeah, but like yeah, right. the fact that you could put out. He, I think he has what four volumes of greatest hits. Yes, four volumes. Come like on. that's amazing. Like the fact that you talked about how many studio albums. Every one of those had a timeless hit on it. Like that's not just luck. No. Anyway, Billy Joel, River yeah. of Dreams. Man, and and man, the the lullaby that's on there to his daughter. Oh, oh, yeah. good night, my so angel. Yes, good night, my yeah. angel. God, just gorgeous. This is a great song. Okay, great choice. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm at 1996, living in suburban Indiana. Uh, you don't get to a lot of culture come to town. <laughs> so uh, it's very, very rare that anything. So like people did a whole thing. I remember when there's the thing on Facebook where everybody's like, put your top 10 concerts on there. And I was like, like that you went to when you were young or whatever. And I'm like, I, I can't give you 10. Didn't, didn't go fairs, to 10 concerts. County fairs, not enough, not no. enough people playing at the no, county like, fair. <laughs> right, exactly. But that was, that was about it. Cause it's just, you know, like living you know, occasionally I, get, I would get to go to Chicago, but Chicago was like a three hour drive. Oh, and so, oh, yeah. and, and also I didn't, I was, I, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I didn't, yeah, no, so, right. no, yeah, but one of exactly. the, the only times I ever got to see a major band at near the height of their power. And the other show was R E M. Oh. So they were on the monster tour. Now I actually got right. to see them a couple years ago. So I didn't see them in 96. I saw them earlier. But um, the album I'm talking about for 1986 is their 10th studio album, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Uh, and a lot of these songs they did at that, that concert. And so that was, a, that was an amazing concert. Luscious Jackson opened for them, who unfortunately broke up a while later. Because R.E.M. actually broke up too. But, um, but this is the last time the original lineup was on, it was on this tour. And it was like the, be- the biggest rock show I had ever been to. And it just blew my mind. Uh, so this is interesting because doing this show is fun because I got to learn more about the album than I ever knew before. So I listened to this a bunch of times. And so 
the new adventure Life doesn't have a lot of hits it's not, it doesn't have a lot of the, the stuff like even from monster which is like really intense and they have a lot of radio play it's much more moody and introspective and i can tell you 1996 i was very moody and introspective i was very much <laughs> like oh what is life anymore and writing awful poetry and oh, i mean yeah i no. was i was i was very much uh, in, into my own feelings and stuff too and this was like just the thought i'd put on and just like sit and think about life man and where i was going and i would just let this album play um but but what i learned doing the research for this is even though it's their 10th studio album none of it was recorded in the studio none of it because they recorded all of these songs they wrote and recorded all these songs while on tour these were all recorded in stadiums before the show so like they would like write these songs and rehearse them and then during their sound checks they would perform the new songs and record them and that's what the album is which blows my mind like while they're out traveling through the whole country they're also recording their new album oh wow that's amazing and like this is like one of the last times of the original lineup too because obviously one of their uh, members had a brain aneurysm and had to leave the band the magic wasn't the same like they, they even they said like after that they put out more music but they said it was never really the same and so eventually they realized they had broken up years ago and they finally just probably announced it like everybody's like we haven't seen each other we haven't recorded anything we're never going to again people need to understand that rem is done uh, but this is this is sort of so this is sort of the I, I think in my opinion as an REM fan this was like their last good album where it's like just consistent and strong uh, and weird which REM always has an element of weird which people sure. need to understand uh, but I mean how I mean almost all of it is sad and slow and that's that's fine that's kind of what you know you need that part of it too uh so yeah it's really good so i didn't even realize it was actually even divided into two sides it's called the high side and the fi side because new adventures in high fi right yeah you know i almost uh i I mean out of time almost was my was my oh yes top three or four for 91 of course right i mean geez uh i didn't know that about that that album though that was recorded on the road does it have that sound? I mean, I don't think I've it does. Really. I mean, it has a, a sort of like a sort of a melancholy, echoey sort of sound to it. Yeah. But I just thought that was the style they were going for. But I realized they're actually like, you know, in Phoenix Sun Stadium or whatever. Right. And there's probably like 40 people <laughs> around. And yeah. they're just like, I mean, you're still, it, you're still yeah. sound engineering. But I mean, still, exactly. you're in a space. You're in a large space. I mean, yeah. Like, and that's so like got- I want now the same thing. I want to go back through and listen and, and think of, you know, Michael Stipe singing to a thousand empty seats oh jeez it gives a whole new impression of like what the what was going on too oh, rm's always been a, an oddly introspective band too but like that that adds an element of loneliness that just makes it mo- that much sweeter for me all right there's another there's another album i gotta add to my uh my future playlist yeah um okay so my my last my my fifth album i cheated a little bit this was at okay. the beginning of 95 i should be <laughs> 94 but that's fine that's fine um but I was, again, Mike the Mechanics fan. This is their fourth album, uh, Beggar on a Beach of Gold, uh, released early, early 1995. Uh, this had a couple of big hits, uh, Beggar on a Beach of Gold, Another Cup of Coffee, uh, Mia Culpa, Over My Shoulder. Uh, there's a great song called Someone Always Hates Someone, which is this great uh, uh, song about violence and about how we treat each other. And Again, it's Mike and the Mechanics, so it's all it's it's very rooted in relationships and emotions. Um, one of the their last song on it was going. It's called "Going Going Home." It you've you've heard it. If you've heard this song, you'll know it's been played in probably one or more 
uh, videos about reminiscing about your childhood. Uh, I just love Mike and Mechanics. I wish they would. They they are still releasing. They released an album two years ago in 2019. They do have a new uh, new lead vocals. Paul, Paul Carrick had left. Um, and I will say, like, I love their stuff. Genesis is it was planning on doing a new tour. Um, I think their final tour. It's called The Last Domino. I think hmm. that that's going to be happening next year. I really wish that they would do a final tour for Mike and the Mechanics. That would be a hmm. dream. And come to the West. Come yeah, to the right. west coast of the of the, Amer- of the yeah, come to the southwest. Yeah. Yes, try. Don't. I mean, if you have to do L.A., that's fine. But yeah, Phoenix Vegas, really L.A., great. Phoenix, like yes. somewhere in the triangle, Albuquerque. Come on, you'll like. enjoy it. Don't just do New York. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with New York. But anyway, there you go. That's my uh, two. I got two uh, Mike and Mechanics on my list because they right. did. They were huge parts of my collegiate experience. Oh, I mean, I I could have done this whole list of just on they might be giants, but I decided not to. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm they sure. put a couple albums in this area too. Um, so yeah, so my my one is from 1997. Uh, so but before we talk about 1997, we're going to talk about 2002. So <laughs> there is a song that came out from. Bowling for Soup, who, who many people might know as doing music for Phineas and Ferb. Right. Uh, it's called Girl All the Bad Guys Want. It's a great song, but in it, uh, there's one line that always makes me laugh and is very resonant. And it says, her CD changers full of singers that are mad at their dads. And so in 1997, this is sort of the beginning of that era of a bunch of people who are mad at their dads. And they're going, so this is like the first one where I... I also caught in this sort of post. This is sort of post grunge, even though it's 1987. It's still they were still going on, but it's the beginning of something else. I don't really know the music movements as much, but this is sort of the beginning of where the 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 bands come in. So you get like you know the White Stripes and the oh, and, gotcha. and and the Hives and the Shins and stuff will be coming. But like there's this middle period of like just angry men and. It's there. It's it's not anger, but also angry and sad. So what I'm talking about, of course, is Everclear. So in 1987, they put out their third studio album was called So Much for the Afterglow, uh, and this is where Father of Mine comes from. If you've heard that, so basically about a about the, from the son's perspective of the dad who abandoned him, and so everything in this album has this sort of feeling of like it's 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 rock and roll and it's angry and stuff, but it's also like I'm also hurt inside. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of those kind of things which which were beginning of a lot of uh music would, would be this but like they were one of the first ones where i was sort of like oh you can sing about this too you can sing about how you're sad and and still have a, and still be in a rock and roll band that's oh oh my gosh i mean everything to everyone is a huge song for me uh like so much of the afterglow i, I will buy you a new life is about you know a guy explaining to his the girl that he's with that like he'll like when he gets big everything will be fixed i'm gonna do all these great things like as soon as i make all this money like the, our lives will be better and stuff too and you kind of go but will it like will you ever you know <laughs> it's, it's great so like yeah so everclear was was big like the time everclear is also the one that has a has a strange uh trajectory of the band too because it ends up with uh art alexis is like firing the entire rest of the band hiring all new people and saying nope we're still ever clear and re-recording all the songs and you kind of oh, go oh okay but for a brief time uh they put out a bunch of uh, really good uh music in that time period and so much for the afterglow is one of the first ones i i that caught on my radar so nice oh, yeah. yeah well good oh man I am. I am gonna be listening to some stuff for. But yeah, uh, I say weekend, caught up so in your nostalgia good. now. Yeah, uh, this is great. I say I, normally we do sort of extra bonus stuff. Do you? This one doesn't really lend itself to that. Well, no, you know it was tough because I also 
when I was making this list, and I know yeah. we said specifically we're talking about albums, right? Like, yes. Like yeah, exactly. Albums. We, we, could, we could have a conversation about soundtracks and that no, kind of stuff, and that would be a whole and, different thing. I wanted to specifically, for this conversation, right. talk about albums from you know, bands. No, because it was tough because I was big. My height of my musical theater interest oh, was absolutely. during this time. Yes, so me too. It was, it, was tough, it was tough to basically pick out. And when I went through each year and I was looking at like albums released in this year, there were a couple like these that just immediately jumped out. Yeah, and, mine. So. Well, mine would be a love letter to the the South Bend public library system for having whoever their buyer was was great because I got exposed to so many great albums because it was the only way to to get it that you could check them out from the library. I would have never heard all these songs without that. So if if, if that album if that episode should come up, I'm gonna have a lot to say about that. Nice. So yeah, my only asterisk was even though I should have graduated '97. <laughs> the administration and I had a little difference of opinion about which credits counted. Oh, so I didn't actually graduate in 97. I had to add a couple of uh, bonus credits to my list in order to get my degree. So technically, I didn't graduate until 1998. So I do have a 1998 album. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> and that, so mine is, this is another uh, beginning of another movement uh, that I really, really adore. And that's the Superstar DJ. So my one from 1998 is actually You've Come a Long Way, Baby, by Fatboy Slim. This was interesting because the artist who created the music didn't actually create any of the music that's on the album, but still did something. So it's the it's remix culture. So this was the beginning of that where they would take existing sounds and music and 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 all different sound related things and put them together to create something. And for the, like Negative Land is part of this and all these. Uh, different thing. and even now to like you know DJ Earworm and these things on on YouTube that can live on um, to take something else and and make it your own by altering all sorts of different things and of course that it ended up he was one of those famous because he actually got radio play and on there too so I mean like Rockefeller Skank right here right now I mean all these songs are still you could you could probably still hear praise you in clubs. When you're out in, in wow. different places, you know, I mean, it's still out there and together. And, and from that, I've actually have listened to his mixes, too. So, like, actually, they've put out some of the stuff he would play when he would play a club, essentially what it was. And they would actually have his whole, like, stuff that he would do where you take existing songs and remix them and stuff, too. Uh, it, was, it was fascinating to me that someone could just, like, sit down in front of a computer with existing songs and come up with something new at the end of it. That blew my mind. Uh, so I've, I've listened to that album a, a hundred times, uh, yeah, and even or even more. So yeah, so that's my my little asterisk at the end because technically my degree was in 1998. Well, we won't talk about mine. We'll just yeah. leave it, we'll, or or lack thereof. <laughs> we, we will just leave it. I will just leave it with the final words of Billy Joel. That's it. Okay. <laughs> These are, those are the last words nice, you have to say nice. about that. Yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's good. That's good. I understand. All right. Well, uh, so that, so those are our list. Um, obviously, you probably have your own. So if you want to get personal about it, I mean, we have, we're up on Discord. We're, we're on all the social media stuff. You know, put up your five. Let people know what it was that really meant something to you at the time. You know, at the, at the time that music was the best. You know, yes. when you're in college in 2010, like what were the what were the the music when it was awesome? Let us know. Uh, we we want to hear about it. Um, so thank you all for listening. I'll be back here when we have another take ten of something entirely different. Thanks for listening. Bye. End program. 
I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. (laughs) 